Titus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 4040 of the Hell Ming Power Hour. I, I, again, it just amazes me that we keep going and you guys are still listening. So so it's a lot of fun to be reaching a, a, a close to a 50 marker, but 40, we'll take it, man. So absolutely excited about being here with my partner, Mr. Danny Bennett. Good morning, good morning, and I'm glad to be here with you because it's been quite the morning so far. Episode 40. Who knew? Well, well, we did, but, you know, that's just for... I I never doubted you. (laughs) No one knows (laughs) who they were. Oh, what they were doing. What they were doing. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. We get to talk about a a classic 1985 movie, Clue. And in order to do that, we've got uh, a good buddy that's going to come on. You've you've heard him on the show several times. Mr. Duncan Malish is going to be with us. We'll pull him in in a little bit and have a good time with him. It's always a blast having him on the show. Man, and Clue, too. You know, it's going to be a great episode because it is a fantastic movie. In watching it again, I think it might be be my favorite movie ever. Really? Wow. That's, 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 That's a big statement. I think I've said that before. Better I have than, a tendency to say that pretty often about different movies. So, you know. Better than Last Action Hero? <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> I, I can say that with a nanosecond of thought. <laughs> okay, cool. So this is going to be kind of a neat thing, too, because Duncan's never been in the time machine, and we're going to 1985 back to back so something we haven't figured out with the time machine is do we when we go back do we go back to the exact same spot or do we end up in kansas how does that work we don't we don't know the only way we're going to find out is when we go there yeah if we run into ourselves and it might cause some kind of a 69 dude a paradise a paradise in time yeah. you know yeah a, a yeah. paradigm you know what a paradigm is 20 cents Hell me. there you go <laughs> All right, folks, we'll be right back with Duncan McLeish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hailming Power Hour is brought to you by Waffle House Harkonnen. He who controls the spice controls the menu. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. everybody time to jump into this episode gonna have a big time and while we're here we've got him on the phone he's here with us 
Everybody, give a big round of applause for Mr. Duncan McLeish. Yeah! All right. How's it going, buddy? Literally the only show that I do that people applaud me. Everyone else usually rolls their eyes and says, is this guy back again? Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe we'll be able to understand him this time. Maybe he's learned English. <laughs> It's great to be back. Thank you very much for inviting me back on. This is becoming a bit of a tradition and one that I, I thoroughly enjoy. And you just keep picking the most amazing movies to talk about. There's no way I can stay away. It's like you've, you've found my weakness, my Achilles heel, and it's fantastic movies from the 1980s, gents. Yes, yes, the, the the best time of movies, as far as I'm concerned. That's just my personal opinion. Well, I mean, that's that's the whole motivation behind the show. Was we said, you know, we've got to tell people about these movies, and some of them are movies that hardly anybody's heard about anymore. So, you know, it's it's important to get them back in the limelight for everybody to give them a shot. This year, 1985, is like a powerhouse for movies, like literal powerhouse for movies. Yep. That like really, you're like we picked one to talk about here, but on any given day, you can discuss Back to the Future, The Goonies, Weird Science, Fright Night, yep. Rocky Four. It's everything. Brazil, yeah. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Well, maybe not that one, but maybe that one. It depends. You know, Brister's Millions, Life De- Force. Debbie Does Dallas. Yeah, all the classics. <laughs> yeah, Debbie Does Dallas. Oh my and God. Brewster's Millions. Yeah? You brought up Brewster's Millions. I love Brewster's Millions. Daddy Night, sweet prince. Like, no, no, really. I, <laughs> I, I, and John Candy has that, has that gold necklace. He's like, used to belong to Mickey Mantle. there's millions man so last week you know with with doing uh gotcha uh we've had all kinds of of responses going wow never seen this one or man i haven't seen it since it came out so again the whole reason why we do this and and this i think kind of falls in that same category there's a lot of love for clue but uh i I think people haven't revisited in a long time and it, it it holds up very very well Oh man, it's fantastic! It's so classy. <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> I like that. It's, it's classy, and then you just think about how classy it is, and it's classy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like there's a lot of when we think about it now when Hollywood adapts games, they tend to be video games, and that and none of them really hit the mark. There's never really been a great video game adaptation. Um, that's right, I don't think the Super Mario Brothers movie is a good movie. Sorry, shoot me. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Uh, but for some reason, like the, the, the idea of Clue itself, just stripping it back to like a whodunit murder mystery sort of thing, heralding back to like the kind of 1950s, um, a, a little pinch Agatha Christie in there, and and what you get is you just get this I think classy is the perfect word this classy formula which you can then start to put through a bit of John Landis sense of humour kind of pepper that through that as well as well as a really 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 good cast I mean there is no weak link at all in this movie right? and if you're going to do ensemble and that sort of thing you really need it across the board to be just perfect Yep. and they kind of do what you think about it. let me put this this year, this year we're going to have a new Murder on the Orient Express movie, right? Mm. It's like the fifth time the movie's been remade. I've seen all the other versions of it right. for TV and for movie. It's one of my favourite Agatha Christie stories, and it's one of the greatest whodunit murder mysteries of all time. Even though once you know the end, then that kind of spoils it. Right. Um, I guarantee from the list of cast that they put up, and a lot of them are big named A-list celebrities and all the rest. Chemistry will not be a patch. 
as the chemistry in this movie. You right. just they just hit it Absolutely. spot on. Yep. So it's going to be fun, fun diving into this and checking all that out. <laughs> oh, uh oh. <laughs> That's that's right. the that's the time chicken. He's we got a new time chicken. We got a new time chicken, and w- when he does that, he lets us know that we have a, a new voicemail from fans. So it's it's fan email time or voicemail time. So it goes. Uh, let's see what we got here. Hey, hey, Helming Power Hour. We're 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 just calling in because we really like the show. Yeah, yeah, we like it a lot. We we yeah. sure do. Yeah, so much so. I'm, I'm kind of getting a little wet right now. Yeah. Excitement. Yeah, like wet, like in a bathtub. Yeah, yeah. S- similar. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. What's your favorite show they covered? What's your favorite movie they covered? Uh, I, I really like the, uh, Hail Me. Well, this is Hail Ming that we're calling into, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that like a big China guy? Big Trouble? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, this American guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's American. Yeah. He's like kind of a, a big bad dude. Yeah. Driving a truck. Yeah, big truck. Big truck. Yeah. Like one of those big ones. Yeah. Like it's got a lot of wheels on it. Like a Dodge. Probably. Does it have, does it have Chinese people in it? Yeah, it's got some Kung Fu. Yeah. He's got uh, uh, a woman. Yeah. A girl. Yeah, a pretty woman. Sometimes. Yeah. I'm kind of attracted to her. But at times I'm not attracted to her. Does she make you want fried rice? But sometimes I get turned on. <laughs> yeah. Definitely fried rice. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt like going to Chong Wong's yeah. that night. Yeah. When I watched it. I'm glad oh you got me. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank like you. It. Thank you, Helming. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Wait. You hear that song in the background? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I hear it. Yeah. Is, that, is that Africa? By Toto? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, do it. I hear the drums echoing tonight. Suddenly they whisper in some sweet conversation. She's coming in twelve thirty-five. Who is this? Because you think I'll drive me away from you? Be something a man or more can ever do. I was a raised on a desert god To find the time to do the things we never had Wow Do you, do you screen these things, right? <laughs> no, I just, uh, just, the time chicken clucks and I just push play <laughs> This could be a problem. <laughs> so, folks out there, uh, if you want to send a, a voicemail or an email for us to read on the show, uh, just send it to us at uh, helmingpowerhour at gmail.com or on the Facebook pages. If you folks are not on the Facebook pages, you need to jump over there because we're having a good time. And you can leave uh, messages like this, I guess. <laughs> or you better sure ones. Or So, uh, wow. Oh. Interesting. So, s- since we yeah. just mentioned the time chicken, I guess we need to talk about our sponsors real quick. And uh, I picked up a new one this week. Worked really hard on it. But uh, it's Myron Schmidt's Roofing, and their motto is, we lay anything. <laughs> nice, nice. I also have managed to secure us a, uh, a sponsor. And, you know, earlier we were talking about going back to 1985 when we were just there and the possibility of paradox. And if you have a paradox that need boats, then you can call Leon Sims, Marine Transport and Deposit. We'll take that ship in the river, lake, or into the ocean. 
So Leon Sims, Leon Sims, he'll take that ship into your body of water. <laughs> and let's not. <laughs> And let's let's not forget uh, a sponsor from b- before we started the show. These guys pumped some money into us, but it's a uh, it's Gleason Homicide, and their motto is uh, "Our day starts when yours ends." <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, that's it for sponsors. That's it for sponsors, and you know what that means? It's time to take Duncan and oh, strap himself down into okay. the time machine. Here we go. Don't be scared, Duncan. G-forces. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't realize we'd, you'd spent so much money building this time machine. Well, it's it's held it's held together by the time chicken. So, <laughs> all right, we are in debt. <laughs> time <laughs> machine debt. We are in time machine debt. <laughs> I, I think I'm just going to go back in time to, to before we built the time machine and live there because it costs so much money. <laughs> well, we just, that's what we just did. We went back to 1985. We didn't have a time machine back then. So look at it. Hell 1985. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. It looks just like it did last week. It looks exactly like last week. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> hey, there we are. Look, look, we're over there. No, don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. Hey, is that, that's Mark over there with you. You can talk to Mark. Just don't talk to us. I'm not going to take the chance. All right, let's get into this. So to talk about the movie, in order to do that, we have to have a synopsis. And the synopsis is by from South Park. Here's Jimmy. Jimmy from South Park. A rap remake of the... Wild one with heavy emphasis on the fact that rap star in the eyes has assumed the, the, the Marlon Brando role, starring LL Cool J, uh, uh, Vanessa Bayer, Vanna White, Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, that, that's it. Did you say Vanna White? Vanna White. <laughs> is she still around? Sure, she is, man. I heard that Merv Griffin liked to hire people who had big heads because he thought they'd be successful, and that's why he hired Vanna White and Pat Sajak, because they had big heads. (laughs) I like people with big heads. I like big heads, and I cannot lie. That's what happens when people like Merv Griffin have too much money. They're just like, I'm going to only hire people with big heads. There's got to be a lawsuit there. Some small-headed dude who needed a job should sue that company. (laughs) All right, let's let's get into this before we just lose our minds here. Danny, what's your number one reason to watch Clue? Well, obviously, I watched the movie in preparation for this because I always do that every time, 100%. (laughs) Can I get a Hail Ming on that? Yes. Hail Ming. All right, there we go. So, but, but the very first reason I've got is the perfection of the poop on the shoe gag that he does early on. You know, Wadsworth, the butler, and Clue. By the way, this is Clue. If you haven't seen it, wow, just stop the podcast right now and go watch it. Yep. Starring Vanilla Ice. Oh, my God. It's the best movie ever. Vanilla Cool J. Vanna White. So Wadsworth 
Wadsworth comes in. He 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 lengthens the chain on the guard dogs so that it'll it'll keep anyone from escaping through the back door, and uh, and then he comes out and he's got poop on his shoe. You know, he looks at the dog. The dog looks all innocent. He goes in, and from then on, anybody he gets the coat for, anybody he passes by, <laughs> they sniff the air and they check their shoes. And it's just a way that this this whole this, this whole murder mystery begins, where there's all this gravitas and all this dramatic music, and there's this this gag about dog poop. It's it's hilarious right. and it's done perfectly. So, and also to talk about this, and we have totally skipped it, but. This is Clue, like the game, the Milton Bradley board game, and, and the movie was based off of the board game. So, just wanted to throw that in there in case we're confusing people. And we'll talk about some other board games that may or may not have movies. But yeah, man, uh, and of course that person you're talking about is Tim Curry. How can you go wrong with that? So Tim Curry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Duncan, what you got? Do you just, you just did it? Uh, Tim Curry is the number one reason to watch this movie this is Tim Curry in the 80s where pretty much everything this guy was doing was like some sort of like really interesting character whether that whether or not that relies on a lot of makeup or whether or not it relied on you know just just him performing like taking center stage and this is I think one of like I know a lot of people go Rocky Horror Picture Show and they'll go it and all the rest I think this is my favorite Tim Curry performance I think this is the one that really shows that he can do everything in this movie there are emotional scenes where he's describing things and yes they are still done in a very funny way but I think they have gravitas behind them I think his comedic timing is so on point is razor sharp I mean the, the timing in this movie just in general all the lines land incredibly witty but most of them are Tim Curry either playing off what someone has said or setting them up for what they're about to say and I think without him in this movie this you can still have the same cast of characters replace Wadsworth with a different actor and I don't think the movie stands up nearly as well as it does I think Tim Curry is the number one reason to check out Clue Absolutely. And going along with that, I mean, because it's not 80s, but probably my favorite performance he did was actually in Home Alone 2. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> if, only, if only he had just shot Donald Trump. We're not getting political. Don't get political. But I'm just saying, that could have happened. Things would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My number one reason. And here I am being a pig again. Apparently, 1985 was just my my year. So my teenage, very influential years because Colleen Camp is amazing. Mm. Yeah! Yeah! Yes. yeah. I, it doesn't matter what's going on. Even watching it last night. If she was on the screen, I wouldn't pay attention in anything else. <laughs> but her in that maid outfit. Yeah, it, she, has, um, she has two particular skills which are front and center throughout the majority <laughs> of this movie. Yeah. And I'm, of course I'm talking about her acting. I mean, you know. Yeah, she, uh, hey, she was in Game of Death, the, the Bruce Lee movie. She was in Apocalypse Now. Valley Girl. Mm-hmm. Smokey and the Bandit Part 3. I mean, come on, people. What do you want? <laughs> me. Part 3. <laughs> the, the Joy of so I, Sex, I found Police Academy I 3 found and myself. 4. I mean, what else you want? And, Danny, Last Action Hero, she's in it too. Well, yeah, of course she is. <laughs> she's got that red eye with the target on it. 
<laughs> that was her, right? She played Sada Nuzpa? Yes. <laughs> he was in Game of Thrones. She played uh, Tywin Lannister. Filming. <laughs> So, so look, I was I found myself looking at all the facts and there there is there is just just a trove of facts about this film if you just look on IMDb. I was just looking at it kind of getting acquainted with it and one of the things that it said was that when she went to audition for this part, she went dressed in the maid outfit. And even though uh Jennifer Jason Lee and Madonna had both been um considered for the part, the fact that Colleen Camp showed up in the maid outfit, uh, Jonathan Lynn said, "You know, it was pretty obvious that she was going to be the one to do it. You know, just <laughs> she put it over the top. Both of them were kind of over the top with that album. I, th- I think I think as well as what, what kind of makes me feel really happy about it is it is obvious in this movie that even though we get the reveal later on, it's obvious in this movie that she's putting on a fake French accent. Yeah, oh yeah, terrible. I kind of oh, yeah. <laughs> love it for that. I mean, because all the way through the movie, you're like, this can't be her. I know this movie's went really racist really quick, um, or you know, it really has like this kind of throwback kind of feel to how they would do kind of French accents in American films in the 50s or she's not who she seems to be and as the movie goes on obviously more details come out from that but you know I too JC Cognac and you're like what? <laughs> and I, I don't I don't know why that suddenly came out and she says I too drink the Cognac mon dieu mon dieu <laughs> I mean and yeah, it's it's so great, and one of my favorite things is, is later in the movie when she's revealed to, to be you know more than just Yvette, the the, the French maid, uh-huh. and she has no accent in that scene. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I think someone re- recognized me. One of the things I noticed about this movie going forward is that when the main characters, when the characters from the board game are there, it's kind of a comical farce. It's it's hilarious. They're they're all quipping with these little little two line jokes, but then whenever anybody who's kind of outside that group it's a really serious murder you yeah. know like like the motorist comes in and that poor guy gets gets <laughs> yeah. hit with a wrench in the dark by a by a giallo you know leather glove bound killer in the dark i mean it's mm-hmm. it becomes kind of scary and then it goes back to the comedy and it's just it's a perfect balance of the two it's your turn what you got next oh man i mean there's so many reasons to watch this this um I'm going to say that the awkward dinner scene. Oh yeah. When when everyone shows up, I mean, I'm skipping around because that's the nature of it. I mean, everything is gold in this movie. All the dialogue, the rapid fire back and forth. But they all sit down for dinner with place settings for all their their pseudonyms, their their aliases for the uh, for the get together. And Mrs. Peacock is prattling on trying to to make the awkward silence into something else, and she starts slurping her soup. <laughs> And then Professor Plum starts slurping his soup. And then everybody's kind of staring at the two of them. And they all start slurping their soup. It's it's just hilarious. And the comedic timing in it is perfect. We were talking earlier just about the cast in general. And seriously, folks, this is this is a awesome, awesome cast. Most of them, you know, it's pretty much a star-filled cast. But man, just the chemistry between them just makes this whole thing work. And that's my next reason is the combination of... One of my favorite people in the world is Martin Mull, which I love him in no matter what. Duncan, I've got to get you some copies of uh, Fernwood Tonight, just so you can see what, if you haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen it, no. It's a TV series he did in the 70s, and it was a nightly show, and it's like a fake. It's so much of 
how Hell Ming happened was because of things that's on that show. It's it's totally off the cuff. The, there's no lines. They're just making the whole thing up. But it's a it's a live talk show type show. But it's in this little bitty town that nobody knows anything about. It's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. So I, I became a fan of Martin Mull because of that. Martin Mull and Dabney Coleman both right in the eighties. They both played that obtuse older white guy right. that was so fun to love and hate at the same time. And he's just he's fantastic on the show. It's him and, and uh, uh, Fred Willard. Fred Willard. Yes. Oh man, Fred Willard. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you, you, I kept te- I keep telling Danny he needs to check his show out because he would be going, oh, I get it now. So I, I should. You, you checked out. Uh, you, you checked out Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh for me, yes. So I totally should check. It yes. For you. So. Yeah. And as much as you're a Jim Varney fan, he plays a great character on this show too. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's it's. A great I am show. kind of a Jim Varney and, fan. And, it's, and Dabney, it's hard to live in Tennessee and not be a Jim Varney. Dabney Coleman's on there too. He's the mayor of the town. So uh, no way. So folks, it sounds it, like SCTV. It, it, well, it's way before that though. So folks, if you haven't checked out Fernwood tonight, I know we're doing getting way off subject. You need to check it out. There's some stuff on YouTube. Just check it out. It's super seventies, but to me, it's just hilarious. But Martin Mull, one of my favorite people. And another one of my favorite people is uh, the combination of the character that Martin Mull and Madeline Kahn play together. Kahn! <laughs> 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 oh, no, you did not. Oh, no, you did not. You did not. That, is, that is the best thing that has ever happened in recording history. Right there. Yeah, so every time her name is mentioned, that that's probably going to happen. <laughs> I haven't planned on using it much, but I'm going to now. Such a big fan of both. They're both great at improvising. And there's a lot of improvising that actually happens in this movie that, you know, if you go and look, dive deep into it, they're, they're made up quite a bit of stuff. So they're just two that are just some of the best at it. And just the combination, There's my, my top line pretty much comes from those two as well. So good stuff. There and there's so many great little little two piece jokes and lines in this movie. Yeah, so. Madeline Kahn's in the middle of a lot of them. I, mean, I love. Her. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, what you got, man? <laughs> Madeline Kahn. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's just the best thing ever. She's like so made my night. Um, I, I, I would say like the script. I know we're, we're kind of we're kind of dancing around it, and yeah, there is there's the improv is clearly there, and you can see that these are are people that are really having fun with the parts and yes. stuff. But it is very like, like kind of Danny's already hit, hit on this, but to, to kind of shine the spotlight on, the spotlight on it a bit more. Fundamentally, at its core, this is a murder mystery who'd done it, and they were out of favour by <clears throat> 1985. We'd already had. If you'd grown up, you'd already had a lot of the uh, like the kind of twenties, the kind of murder mysteries. And then you were moving through into like really through the Hitchcock era, and then they became popular again for a wee while. You've got some great authors, Agatha Christie being one of the the top ones when it came to those murder mystery novels. And then the, the movement through the the kind of Italian jolly cinema and all the rest that they were out of favour by the time the eighties. You think about what was coming out in 1980, right? Especially in 1985, it's 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 all sci-fi, it's over the top, it's swashbuckling adventures with the Goonies, it's weird science with kids making, you know, like, oh my god, making things. <laughs> yeah, 
That movie. Again, folks, um, 1985. <laughs> it, it was just my year. <laughs> it was the best year. Um, but yeah, you think about all those. It's very unfashionable and very uncool to make a murder mystery whodunit movie at the top of a hill you know, where lightning's crashing in the background and all the guests <laughs> arrive and you know it, that's on paper this movie should not work right but the story sticks very much fundamentally to this it's a murder mystery it's a whodunit and we're, we're going to get into the marketing campaign and stuff later on which really to me is another level of genius which you don't necessarily need to have in this movie to still have it be as successful or memorable um, but you, you have this at its core and when you have a really interesting kind of take on the murder mystery who done it and you add that level of campness that this movie does and you have someone like John Landis writing absolutely like scripting dialogue in the background and this is like Landis at his the, like pinnacle this is right. this, is, this is primo alpha Landis right now yeah. and um you have that all in the background. That really gives the actors and actresses, of which we've already said, incredible cast, the confidence to start playing around with lines. And then I think with, I think it's probably one of the greatest selling points for this movie is how bold this movie actually is. Yeah, yeah. You know, a movie like this should not work in the decade that it came out in, um, and it's it, it should not be remembered. Out with a kind of like a glancing. Oh, remember that oddity that was clue and no, it's yeah. it legitimately holds up because it's incredible how about deborah hill producing it as well i mean i know that kind of shocked me as, as well and seeing that i was like wow and uh, so like, a, a lot of strength just in the the background of having the movie made is it's pretty incredible yeah it's got it's got industry like it's not someone trying to get this movie flubbed through this has got like people that yeah. had a lot of say at the time in the industry really getting behind this movie yeah. so I mean that shows that shows the confidence that people had with the script um, and with the casting as well and I think that that shows right throughout the whole movie it apparently didn't do well at the box office no. which is a shame but I mean that, that might be speaking to it it's not the quality of the film it's the fact that maybe people were tired of that uh, particular trope you know they didn't want yeah. to see another murder mystery and my entire life I've loved the manor on the hill, thunderstorm coming on the horizon, murder mystery movies, and, and I, I love it to death. As much as I love man hunting man movies, which is not a uh, that, that's not a uh, that, that's not an adult film genre. Um, it's, Hell me. I'm speaking to, to stuff like Surviving the Game and uh, the Most Dangerous Game. Yeah, there's there's a feel to all that that I've always been attracted to, and. It's really a shame. As good as this movie is, it's a shame it didn't do well in the box office. But I'm glad it's getting a lot of love now because it's it's definitely it showed up on Netflix a year ago, and at least two of my friends said I'm going to watch Clue. It's on Netflix tonight, so people know about it, right? And yeah. and they should because it's it's awesome. It's a great movie. Is that pivot of the internet as well? I think that. I- Especially from the 80s, there was that many movies that came out that just disappeared. Um, you know, like they had their cinematic run, made their way out to VHS, people checked them out, but you know, they become these little oddities that you remember in the back of your head. And I think the internet is one of the driving forces for us getting a lot of love. It gives you a voice to start talking about why is no one talking about Clue? Absolutely. And it, it does fall, it does fall within that. I mean, another one in a similar 
well, it's very similar genre actually. A one that I absolutely love, but I think Clue just outdoes it. But it's basically the template formula is Murder by Death, which comes yep. like almost ten years before, but it's essentially a similar idea. You know what I mean? It's all star cast. So it had been done before. You know, this had been done several times before. I think what Clue does very well with it is it just and makes it pinpoint every single line of dialogue in this movie is is funny or it's setting up something that is funny Absolutely. so there's no waste in this yep. movie at all and another man hunting man movie that we need to bring up at this point is probably one that most people forget about but that would be Star Trek 2 <laughs> well played well played sir all right, so we've talked about the rapid-fire dialogue. I don't have to mention that. We talked about the awkward uh, dinner scene. I'm going to have to say that another reason to watch this movie uh, 100% of the time is, well, we talked about Ma- Ma- Madeline Kahn ad-libbing. No, oh, man, I'm just going to here. I have to tiptoe of that one. Okay, so I'm going to say, in the middle of the movie, a reason to watch the film is Wadsworth breaking down the door. (laughs) There's a locked door in the way, and somebody's screaming on the other side of the door, and he says, I'll have to break it down! (laughs) He runs across the hall, and he steals himself, and he runs into the door, and then Tim Curry does this perfect... Pratfall, where he looks at the camera and you see the pain, and he grabs his shoulder like it just got dislocated, and then he kind of like flops to the floor, and it is hilarious. I'm it fairly sure out loud, hilarious. Yeah, I'm sure Ric Flair saw this and then brought that into his performances because Ric Flair is the only other person that does the Tim Curry walk and fall over this way. It's incredible. I mean, it, it's kind of like. Kind of like Jackie Chan talking about being in, in a Golden Harvest films and you know making sure he looked at the camera and like mugged for it for a second, right. so yeah. that way he wasn't just another guy falling off a wall. He was, yeah. he was Jackie Chan. <laughs> Duncan, your turn, man. Um, I'm go- I'm gonna go with well, we're skirting around all these different characters and all the rest. One that I think is cleverly underused in this movie is Christopher Lloyd, this Professor Plus. Yes. Um, now Christopher Lloyd <laughs> at this era is about in this year we're back to the future it's about to become like a legitimate household name um you know his, his performance as the doc goes down as like one of the most iconic you know characters in cinema yeah. um and he does this movie same year and he plays a very reserved role really is the brunt of a, a few jokes he's he's very, very much the sleaze in this one the kind of the, the doctors who, whose hands get a bit touchy-feely and a bit wandering at times um and he he plays it perfectly like he plays this performance like, like i said they're all amazing in this one but christopher lloyd in being as reserved as he is in this movie i think just he comes in with. He usually finishes off sentences by by putting in a bit of innuendo somewhere, um, but that's really all he's used for in this movie, and it's spot on. And he, he he really plays it. He allows the breathing room for for your Michael McKeans or your Martin Mulls yep. or um, your Madeline Cans. <laughs> 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 to really go over the top, you know, and and, and like bounce off and put well, he himself doesn't get nearly as animated as any of the characters, but that doesn't mean for one second he's any less funny. And the I, lines, I mean, he delivers the lines perfectly. There's there's a bit where he's uh, there's a bit where um, Miss Scarlet is talking about her, her house of 
ill repute and he's, he's like that. He's like right over the notepad. Oh, what's the number? He's got a cigar in his mouth. Yeah, or he's got a pipe in his mouth. Well, let me tell you about this. It, <laughs> they, when, they're, when they're looking at the uh, the evidence trove and they're the pictures from the uh, from the brothel, he takes uh, Mrs. White over to the, the sofa and he says, "Oh, sure, you can get in that position. Get off." <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> It's the best. <laughs> it's so perfect. All those all those little jokes are so perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So my next one is uh, when the cop shows up and they're trying to hide all the bodies. You've got the makeout party going on. That whole scene is great, yes. man. <laughs> well, I don't see nothing wrong in here. It's just a bunch of people having a good time. <laughs> and then so, there's the. There's the joke that that you know he's talking to the cop or he's talking to the cop and he doesn't know what they've turned the room into and you know yeah. where it's they're pretending it's a is really that's okay <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he just saw a bunch of dead bodies in there you know there's that joke going on oh there's the, the like the same scene when they're walking around as well and uh, they're, <laughs> they're talking about the motorist who's now dead and he's like he's drunk yeah, dead drunk no like that we'll, we'll, you, you know you're not going to be driving home he's like no 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 we'll get my car a long black car it's almost a weekend at bernie's kind of thing you know it's i think it was a quote by a guy that said it's like weekend at bernie's but better <laughs> that wouldn't be hard to do. <laughs> Anyways, Danny. Been, uh, uh, Madeline. Oh. Might have been who? I, I, nobody. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know what he's about to say. Um, right, your turn, man. Okay, so, so I've, uh, again, I was looking up uh, trivia about this movie, and I'm going to say I'm not going to be caught off guard this time. I've got my reasons all outlined here. And one of the reasons I've got that I love to death is that I, I read that he says the police will arrive in 45 minutes, and 39 minutes later, the police arrive in the movie. Okay, so if you if you think about that, that means that from the point where they, they figure out that there's been a murder, and the police have been called ostensibly, from that point on, there, there's no time wipe, there's right. no flashback, mm-hmm. it's just actors and actors having dialogue and moving from room to room in real time. And and you think about it, that's a, it's a, it's an hour and a half of people just just delivering lines and going from room to room. It's so packed with good dialogue and good acting that you don't need any kind of wipes or montages to make it entertaining from beginning to end. And I love the fact that the police have been called. They'll be here in X amount of time and then really close to that amount of time, real time. Mm. They hit the door. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Duncan, what you got? We kind of, once again, we're, 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 we're tackling so much that's awesome in this movie, but it's how much of this movie, how many of the lines become part of your lexicon <laughs> with the movie. Yeah. I quote this movie incessantly um, to people that like, don't get the joke. If it, the, I mean, this movie will change the way that you ever hear someone say, to cut a long story short, you will always say too late. You, you have to say too late. And the person will look at you as if to say, why did you just say too late? And you do it because this movie changes the way that you hear this sentence. There is more than one time I've been in a conversation with someone trying to, they're trying to explain something technical to me or I'm trying to explain something technical, technical to them and I will break it down. It's like, no, it's easy. It's one plus two plus two plus one. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, like, it, yes. it, it, these things, these lines carry over. I, I think they're really well written and it does like that to 
to you know, to, to cut a long story short, too late. Everyone's too late. It's very much when you think about like movies like Airplane and stuff like that. Yeah. It's the it's those sort of it's those quotable lines that 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 just like infect the way that you speak or the the way you have conversations. And this movie has a whole hell of a lot of them. And that's that's like it's, it's just really really well crafted that way. Yeah. And the fact that they repeat in the movie. So that cut. Oh, I'm sorry, shot too late. It comes back. I think it's about two or three times in the movie that builds back into it. So you remember. So by the time the last one drops in, you're almost, especially in your first viewing, you're almost jumping in with the line as well, like the audience in a cinema would do. Um, the fact that they bring back the one plus two plus two plus one conversation and and the the movie as well towards the end, I think is really really great. Um, I, I think those are uh, like testament to it as well. It's not just funny actors saying funny things and screens um, or the writing just being really, really witty. It's the fact that after the movie, you want to quote those lines again and again when you're not watching the movie and it makes you remember how great the movie is. I, I regularly think of Clue at least once a week. And of course, obviously, the ongoing joke, which, I've, which I blew American minds with when I spoke about this movie with Bo um, about a year ago, I think, was that not a lot of people know that it's not called Clue. Um, the movie's called Clue in the UK, but um, the <laughs> the board game isn't called Clue wow. in the UK. It's called Cluedo in wow. the UK and I believe I believe that's because there must have been something else out at the time called Clue so to release it over here they called it Cluedo wow um, but the, mo- the movie came out called Clue which confused a lot of people as to why there was a movie called Clue that had characters from Cluedo in it so wow. there you go see Cluedo over here is something and when I- milk goes bad <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, like like that. Uh, to make a long story short, too late. Too late. See, now the first time that that's done, you know, he's telling a really heartfelt story about yeah. how he was blackmailed and his wife killed himself. And Martin Mull, you know, very, uh, it very callously says, he's, to make a long story short, Martin Mull's like, too late. Yeah. Goes, well, he's talking about his wife killing himself. But by <laughs> the end, everyone is so wrapped up in it and exasperated with these these multiple explanations that you know he says to make a long story short and like there's a chorus of voices yeah, saying right. too late That's yeah. brilliant. by the end of it everyone in the audience is kind of involved right and I, I love that yeah my next one is the only like indiana jones type moment that's in the movie and and that's the singing telegram. <laughs> I mean, I, I love just the. Oh man. This is classic. And that gunshot as well is such an old-fashioned gunshot. Right, That's like right. a 1950s soundboard. <laughs> which was one of the reasons I love Indiana Jones as well, is that in Indiana Jones, the whip sound, the punch sound, and the gun sounds are all yep. basically copied from the movies that inspired uh, Spielberg and Lucas to make the movie in the first place. Yep. And I love the fact that they bring that in here as well. It's brilliant. Yeah, and just, I mean... Uh, yeah. uh, and of course, that that who is that? Who is that, Danny? Well, that's uh, that's Jane Wheatland yes. uh, from the uh, from the Go Go's. That's right. So and yeah, she's adorable. I, yeah, I watched that last night. I was like, holy crap, that's Jane. You know, so that was that was cool, man. So so you know, funny story about that particular scene. Uh, from my personal history, I, I was spending the night with a friend of mine named Jason Stevens. I was probably in third or fourth grade, and he had Clue on VHS. 
And so I woke up before everybody else in the house and put it in and I was watching it. And that scene where he shoots the singing telegram, uh, for some reason it got me just just laughing. Just the timing of the scene, right. as morbid as it is. And I started rewinding it and watching it over and over again <laughs> in this other person's house. And his dad woke up and came into the living room and I'm sitting here watching this, this one scene of this girl getting shot over and over again. And uh, he's like, hey, Danny, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm sure at that point he thought, he thought my friend has, has befriended some kind of a psychopath at school and, and he's in my house and we were all asleep. You know, so. And after that, he said, here, watch this. This is uh, Star Trek 2. <laughs> what, what I love about this as well is like, like she's, because she's the last one to, to die in the movie. Um, before that, there is great care and great reverence taken to how they move the bodies in yes, this yes. movie. When it comes to her, yeah. you drop her floor. <laughs> just leave her there. Yeah. Enough, it just gets to the point where you know they're just tired of moving bodies, so she just gets dropped. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's wonderful. She is she as a character that gets like. <laughs> so a character that is on the screen very very little gets killed very quickly in terms of the story and then is kind of just dumped very quickly as well and I, it doesn't it doesn't feel shoehorned in it just feels right. perfect for yeah. the time period in the movie it just feels like yeah this is what they would do now so yeah, just to throw you off just enough you know to focus your attention for a second and then bang it's over you know and it's it's, it's yeah. just well well placed yes. Danny you up to bat yeah, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to play right into the discussion we're having because one of the reasons to watch the movie, again, perfect comedy, is the first time the lights go out and yeah. they come back on and the motorist has been killed. Everybody's freaking out. The motorist has been killed. It, you know, Mr. Body's dead and, and the motorist has been killed. And they're all like screaming and yelling and having to figure out. The second time the lights go out and they discover the, the dead policeman in one room and then they they determine that there must be a, and then Yvette is dead and they're just walking from room to room kind of listening <laughs> like, like they look in they see they're dead they all kind of shuffle out and then they're like wait but a gunshot I heard the door slam and they go to the door and they open it up and there's a dead girl on the, on the front porch <laughs> and they kind of look at her and then they just close the door <laughs> they leave her there on the front porch and just shut the door and it's Again, you're talking about comedic timing. Like the idea that these people are caught in a game of Clue. And every time the lights go out, some stranger gets killed. And they've kind of realized that they're not going to be the one that gets killed. So they're not really afraid for their own lives anymore. But they're just kind of tired of people dropping. Yeah. It's it's so funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is just so funny. And again, it, it, it takes that whole, like, when, when you get away from the core characters, it's really serious and dire. If you are that telegram girl that was called out in the middle of the night to a manor on the top of a hill in a thunderstorm and you come up to a dark building that has no lights on and start your singing telegram song and get shot it's serious but if you're you know professor plum you figure you got it you got it made you're not going to be one of the ones to get killed you know it's just <laughs> it's perfect and and again I, I have to say as a comedy it is so well done it doesn't have to be zany it doesn't have to have it has gags in it but they're all really well thought out. But yeah, that whole sequence, them going room to room, 
them yep. tired of finding dead bodies. It's hilarious. All right, Duncan. Right, um, my one is that once again we've touched on certain elements, but I want to shine the spotlight on this one. Um, is the breakdown of who the killer or killers are? Right. right so we, we will get into. I, I know one of us is likely to talk about the alternative endings to the movie um, as the marketing gimmick. What I will say is the genius involved in making a movie which has what four endings three en- four endings four endings in total where the reveal of each killer makes total sense when you watch it back characters are missing at certain points which could be interchangeable when you describe four different endings as to who the killer or killers are is incredible yeah. I mean that is no easy thing to do either right. but it totally makes sense and it shapes the way you watch the movie afterwards you watch it again and I'm aware what character isn't there and what scene and yeah they probably are away doing that killing it doesn't detract from the enjoyment of the movie because you have so many endings to this movie that I like to like when I'm watching it I like to at times change the killing you're like if I start watching it one time maybe this time when I watch it it's you know Miss Scarlet that's been the killer all the way through it um, but maybe the next time I watch it it's, it's Mrs Peacock that's the killer all the way through it um, and the fact that that works regardless what I do is great I think I think that in itself the fact that you have Tim Curry who I've already said is the number one reason to watch this movie right. and I think my number two or three reason for watching this movie was how well it was written in terms of the story of the murder mystery when you combine them together and Tim Curry is at breakneck speed breaking down everything that's happened yes, what, yes. essentially what you've seen in the last 45 minutes he is condensing down into 5 minutes yep. rapidly and making it very funny making you remember certain scenes and then cast your memory back the fact that they give you visual flashbacks as well to certain things you're like that's right that character wasn't there the fact that they do all that it should, on some level, affect future watchings of the movie, and I yeah. don't. I think it makes it more endearing. Yeah, and I've got exactly the same thing as my my next one was the. I just said the last twenty minutes is just. It's brilliant. I mean, if Tim Curry wasn't cool enough through the rest of this movie, at this point, he is just knocking it out of the park with just the yeah. the sporadic running around and explaining everything. I mean, like you said, just breakneck speed. It's it's fantastic, man. And, yeah, and that, you're you're even having to slow it down and go whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute okay this, this, this <laughs> you know so even every one of those all, all the different scenarios they go through you're having to rethink it yourself too and that, that's just brilliant yeah the dialogues delivered so quickly and there's so yeah. many lines that it has to do that the the rehearsal time that's where Tim Curry really comes into his own I don't think yep. he, he at times gets he gets known for the the characters he plays not necessarily enough attention is paid to the actor himself yep. he's a proper theatre actor and as a result you know for a fact those lines were memorised within an yes. inch of their life before he started doing that. It's probably out of all the actors on that set, it was probably the one that was had the most responsibility because he's carrying the weight of the movie. Yep. But there's no safer pair, pair of hands to, to carry this movie than him. Speaking of safe hands, since we got the same one that we picked for the for the last for, for this one, I said on the third wrap when he's dragging Mrs. White up the stairs because <laughs> he's moving so fast and he just drags her like halfway up the steps. So it's Mrs. White who's played by who? Madeline. Um, uh, Madeline Stone. <laughs> Madeline Stone. <laughs> <Daddy>. <laughs> I, I did read that Tim Curry was actually a third choice for Wadsworth. Uh, wow. Like, 
that there was a that there was a British actor that I'm not familiar with, uh, and and I've been kind of trying to look up his name because I initially had printed out a, a bunch of names, but I'm not going to get into that. Originally, there was a person that they had in mind who passed away, and so their second choice was Rowan Atkinson. Really, Mr. Bean. Wow. wow. Yeah, but he was not well enough known in the United States. So he didn't on, on the merit or on the um, on the con that he was not as well known, uh, but but uh, Jonathan Lynn knew Tim Curry and asked him personally uh, once the the idea of Rowan Atkinson went out the window. So I mean, I, I started watching it thinking, what if Rowan Atkinson was playing that? And when right. he first shows up, he's wearing that derby, and he's yep. and he's feeding the dogs. Yep. I can see Rowan Atkinson doing that. Yep. Yeah. But otherwise, like the the line delivery. No, I like, can see the physical comedy working with Ron Atkinson. Yeah. I just and and I don't have a problem with Ron Atkinson. I just don't see him delivering a lot of those those really posh lines, where they're those really fast back and forths, and he's kind of talking better than everyone else as yeah. Wadsworth Butler. I don't see that working with Ron Atkinson as well. Yeah, the the velocity, of the the line de- delivery, definitely not. I, I mean, Ron Atkinson's huge in the UK, like massive in the UK. Did a lot of comedy TV shows. I highly recommend those that never. <laughs> there's a a police uh, kind of procedural comedy over here called uh, the Thin Blue Line, <laughs> right? Um, but he's the main police officer in charge, and there's a lot of people that you will see from British movies, you know, Love Actually and stuff like that. All these bit characters are in it, and it is very, very, very funny. The dialogue is incredibly funny, and R- Ron Atkinson is great in it. But he's great in it as playing a very similar role to Wadsworth, actually, but much slower. Much, yeah. much slower. Um, there's a methodical yeah. pace to how he talks. Tim Curry, like, it's the energy that Curry brings to performance, right. not necessarily the slapstick, which you are right, Ron Atkinson can do all the slapstick in the world, watch Mr. Bean. Um, but the, the speed in which Tim Curry can then put that articulate, posh dialogue over the top of it is the, you know, the knockout one-two punch for me. I think that's what really makes him, like, mandatory in this movie. I, I, don't, I don't see... It's weird when you hear, like, alternative castings and you just... It, it makes you wonder, yeah. you know, like, it's almost serendipitous that, uh, you know, Atkinson couldn't do it or, you know, that the original actor unfortunately passed away, that you land with your third choice, third tier's Tim Curry, and it just works as <laughs> perfect. That role was written for him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so, too. I was really surprised to see that fact. And I guess I knew Rowan Atkinson from uh, from Black Adder. Right. Yeah. Mostly, you know, and... You know, I know he can deliver lines. You know, I'm, I don't just know him as as kind of a mime esque character in Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but but yeah, I didn't see it going uh, well with, with him there. But maybe that's because I'm just in love with Wadsworth as Tim Curry because it's yeah. so perfect. I've got two more things that I haven't mentioned, and uh, well, one is is the the search where they all split up into into to couples. You know, they all split up in, into to, to, uh, duos to go search the house. That whole scene where you know you've got. The person who's professed to be homosexual going with the uh, with the the sex pot uh, nurse, and you've got uh, the prude and and uh, you know M- Mrs. Peacock going with uh, with the Letcher and and uh, and Professor Plum, uh-huh. and and not two scenes before had uh, had Wadsworth said no man would be caught alone with you to Mrs. White, <laughs> and then they they pull the straw. That whole thing it's like everything has been set up to be another big joke on every one of the characters and it's all delivered instantly it's it's so good 
Well, I was going to just say that we kind of touched on it, and once again, uh, like, like just to kind of kind of put forth prominently with a bit more detail, this movie has one of the greatest marketing campaigns of all time for a movie being released, and that there was four legitimate endings to this movie, and depending on what theater you went to see this movie in, was the ending that you got so you could go and see it in one town and you would get the ending where you know miss scarlet's a killer you could then go and see it in a different town and you would get the ending where everyone is a killer and i just think that is once again wonderfully brave of a movie like really 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 brave of a movie to do that but i can't think of any other example of any movie which has multiple endings playing depending on what cinema you go and see the movie awesome and that's pretty cool it's, yep. it's so so cool and I, I think it's so far ahead of its time when you think of how it's almost casting your eye back to like william castle era horror cinema where everything had a gag everything you know like where it was a uh, like uh, the tingler and you get shocked or smell of vision or you know he's <laughs> like right. all these different things that he that he had that ultimately became like versions of cinema now there's a cinema in scotland where you can go and get the the full 4d experience your chair moves uh, upon impact you get the smells pumped around the cinema your face is sprayed with water <laughs> like characters go through water and this isn't a legitimate wow. cinema they do it with certain movies for the 4D experience it was used as a gimmick yeah. back in the day by William Castle it's now become like like one of these things where people pay extra money yep. to go through and Clue so ahead of the curve on this one and it's to me it's the only with changing that and ending depending on what country you're in which happens quite a lot um, or, yep. or, or edit the scenes a particular way I think it's the only one that has ever really done this as a, like a proper market employee and, and I, re- I, I just think it's genius I, I read too uh, again there's there's a wall of facts about this that I had no idea that are all amazing and I'm not going to get into them I mean, anybody can go up on IMDB and look at them and I'm not going to pretend that I knew them right, right off the bat but one of the things that I read was that they had initially planned on having an, an ending where every character was the killer. Yeah. Like like, like an ending for each character. Yeah. But it was going to run for two and a half hours. And they said, <laughs> wow. okay, well, we'll just whittle it down to, I think they have three. Yeah, it's three or four. I, I, are there four endings or three? <laughs> I, I one, mean, right. So there's one where Miss Scarlet does it. There's one yes. where Mrs. Peacock does it. And then there's one where everyone does it. I, I want to say I'm missing one, but I, I think that's it. Well, and, and like one of the endings was going to be where uh, all of the the, uh, the murders were done by Wadsworth. Yeah. yeah. And he also had poisoned everyone with brandy. So he, he told them, you know, and you're all going to die and this is all going to be over. But they decided that it, the, the light tone of the movie, that was way too dark. And I think that was a good choice <laughs> because it is, it is way too dark. I mean, it, they could have made it funny. But they didn't need to do that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So you got one more, Danny. My last reason is quick and to the point. I was just going to say the the Giallo murder scenes and mm-hmm. and the the destruction of the evidence, where the the black gloved hands, you know, go and get the murder weapons, and then they throw the the film and the pictures and the documents in the fire. I think that's just a fantastic, a, a well done little. I don't know. Again, it's classy. You know, it's it's just kind of it's done, and you're like, oh yeah, the murderer is kind of a character that transcends all the other ones. He's got his own special music and theme song and look, yeah. and 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 he, this is him getting stuff done. 
You know, I just yeah, I, I really like it. I, I love it as well because I mean, for for stylistic reasons, it makes sense because it kind of fits into that mold of the murder mystery who done it. Which the jelly obviously is the, I think the definitive like on screen version of of what those stories are meant to do. But there's yeah, there's another like there's when you think of it from the point of view of when the movie set, there'd be no reason to wear gloves because fingerprint analysis didn't work that way. So, you know what I mean? It didn't exist. So why is the killer wearing gloves? And it comes down to this really practical reason. From an audience member, you can't tell who the killer is if they're wearing gloves because it's male and female characters. And if we saw their hands, you would know who it was. Narrows it down. Yeah, from, from the most fundamental practical level, it totally makes sense. But the fact that not only does it fit into the the subgenre which is the murder mystery and at the same time pays homage to, to, to those movies as well it's just perfect it's like it's those it's the small attention to detail in the background of this movie that makes them I think personally makes the movie have that rewatchability going forward is that everything is handled with so much care that there's no way that if you watch Clue you cannot love it I've never met anyone that didn't enjoy this movie I, I agree, and you know, there was a show in the '80s. That, um, I'll, I'll say it really quick. There was a show in the '80s that was hosted by uh, Perry Mason, who's uh, Raymond Decker. Burr. Raymond Burr. Anyway, it was a, it was a whodunit show, and they would show elements of the murder in the show, and you could figure out who the killer was by some fairly, I don't want to say obvious clues, but they're noticeable. Mm-hmm. And it was the same kind of thing, where it was like the characters would be put be wearing gloves during sequences because you knew that there was a clue somewhere that was going to give it away, yeah. and they were trying they were trying to not show you too much. And I, I love that as a, as an audience member, I could be a participant. The jelly on top of the muffin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the, the jelly on top of the Madeline can. <laughs> 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 I had to get one more in there. I had to get one more in there. Speaking of which, it's time to move into Top Five Lines. Top Five Lines. Yay! <laughs> All right, Top Five Lines. Denny, you want to kick it off? Man, there are so many great lines <laughs> in this movie. Full of them. <laughs> I mean, like half of my notes are just lines, but I'm going to say that, that this little uh, exchange. Uh, at dinner between uh, Professor Plum and, and, and Miss Scarlet starts it off uh, where he, where somebody asks, are you a doctor? He says, I'm a doctor, but I don't practice. And she says, practice makes perfect. And in my experience, most men need a little practice. Mm-hmm. She's got kind of a back and forth, you know, the entendre. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> so I know we say top five lines, but it may be more than five. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, what you got? Oh, Danny. Duncan, what you got? <laughs> It's a great one like towards the, the, the very end of this movie and one of the I think it's the explanation as to it's the basically it's the modern Orient Express ending where everyone's a killer. Um and Mr. Green says, oh, so it was you to Wadsworth. He was like, I was gonna expose you. Um and Wadsworth goes, I know, so I choose to expose myself. And Colonel Mustard comes in, so many classic <laughs> Colonel Mustard lines, he says, Please, there are ladies present. <laughs> and, you know, like so many great lines that are just set up for Mustard to come in with that. Yes. I love that. And that's, that kind of ties into mine as well because it's when uh, Martin Mole is talking to Madeline John. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the whole spiel they have, I've only got the first line of it, but uh, 
Colonel Mustard asked her, how many husbands have you had? She says, uh, mine or other women's. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the whole dialogue that goes around, and he's like, you're just like a spider attract, you know, attracting the flies. And she said, the flies is where they're most sensitive or something like that. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch most of vulnerable. dialogue. Most vulnerable, most yeah. Vulnerable. And then so, she needs somebody in the groin in a few scenes later, yeah. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that whole back and forth is just great. I'm, I'm going to go with my next line. It's Mrs. White, too, uh, where it where, uh, says, uh, you know, they're asking about her, her previous husbands, and she says, it's, he disappeared. And she says, well, that was his job. He was an illusionist, but he never reappeared. Like, he wasn't a very good illusionist. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so here's my one, really, really, really quick. And you guys may not know this, but I just want to tell you, communism was just a red herring. <laughs> communism was just a red herring. <laughs> it's just such a, a line that doesn't actually mean anything, anything. really in this movie. <laughs> uh, but it comes up in every single ending of this movie by a different character and it only ever really relates to one of the endings where it actually makes sense, <laughs> right. which I kind of love. Kind of <laughs> love. Danny, you got another? Oh, yeah, I've got... Um, so, so Colonel Mustard is talking to, to Miss Peacock uh, after, you know, after all the killings have happened. She says, uh, just checking. And she says, everything all right? He says, yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Duncan, you got another? So- Oh yeah, always. Um, it's like, um, <laughs> like so many. So the the reveal that um, Mrs. Peacock's a killer. There's a great line with Wadsworth at the end where he's like, "See, like the Mounties, we always get a man." And Mr. Green goes, "Mrs. Peacock was a man." <laughs> slaps him in the face. Absolutely amazing. Oh, <laughs> it's wonderful. And then my my favorite one, which is the last one I've got, but it's when they find the event dead on the pool table. And because uh, she's laying there, and, and <laughs> Mrs. White says, "I wish I had a drink." And Colonel Mustard says, "I wish I had a minute made." Hell me! I've got another drink-related one where uh, where where Wadsworth is putting the cop in the uh, in the lounge or the library where, where it was open, and he says, "Have a drink, but not the cognac, just in case." <laughs> And the cop says, just in case of what? <laughs> I mean, but not the cognac, just in case. Just in case of what? And he slams and locks the door. Uh, oh, the interactions with the minor characters are amazing. Like when the motorist arrives and he says, where is it? And Wadsworth goes, what? The, the body? And he says, the phone. What body? And he says, oh, there's nobody. I mean, there's, there's nobody in this no. study. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe you can use the phone in the... No. Uh, yeah, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe you can go to... No. Uh, <laughs> that's all great. Uh, I, I'm just going to do like one last one, and I love it for the fact that Mrs. White, the, the actress who plays Mrs. White, is a personal favorite of mine. Um, <laughs> what? Where, <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure at the moment. Um, so, so Mr. Uh, Mr. Green says uh, it, uh, Wadsworth is running around and, he, and he's been spooking Mr. Green, you know, dropping on him and, and yelling at him and coming around corners. And, and he says, he turns to, to Mrs. White and he says, I hate it when he does that. And she just goes, ah, ah. <laughs> 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 and, and then there's always the the flames, the like, flames, like, the, flames. Oh, flames. the flames, <laughs> flames, flames out of his I, I read that the whole thing was <laughs> Yep, and it's 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 so it's so Belencon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 
And you're right. I mean, it is that 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 moment is spot on what she does best. So, all right, cool. That's gonna do it for. So something different I thought we might just tap into just for a little bit, for a little bit of fun. But uh, other movies that needed this kind of ending where you had different variations in case the one you have sucks. So what would be some movies that you guys wish you had a different ending to? Oh, that's a really good question. (laughs) Movies that have really bad endings that could have better endings. Yeah, that you wish you had maybe two or three different variations of, you know, okay, maybe that one would work. Mine was The Village. (laughs) <laughs> oh god yeah any Shyamalan movie after Unbreakable right <laughs> any Shyamalan movie yeah. that one The Devil that's set in the yes. elevator because like, I guessed that one really quick yeah um, me too yeah. like really really quick uh, and I think you could have done that you could have made everyone right in that that survives a potential I think anything, anything where you have a, a scene at the end like Saw right like the Saw movies as well which kind of tried to do it as well because they retconned most of their endings yeah um, would be great ones to do as well actually what do you think Danny the great Muppet caper yes <laughs> well said where, where the Muppets don't win and Charles Grodin gets the girl and, and marries Miss Piggy I just think that that would be that would be fantastic because Charles Grodin he yes. deserves he deserves some Miss Piggy Charles <laughs> Grodin <laughs> tell me <laughs> Uh, my, another one too for me just to see what would happen Ferris Bueller it'd be cool to see an ending where he doesn't get away with it maybe the principal catches him or you know maybe. oh his- man now we're going bleak let's go Charles <laughs> Grodin again and it, listen I said to use off air and I'll say it just so you have it recorded um, clues in my top three comedies of all time right top three comedies of all time yep. you know also it's in my top three comedies of all time and stars Charles Grodin Midnight Run Midnight Run yeah if you ever do Midnight Run <laughs> I need to be on that show but what about a story what about a, a, a version of Midnight Run where he actually does get handed in at the end to the mob <laughs> yeah Oh man, I haven't seen that one in a long time. That's a good oh, one. go back and revisit it, yeah. and then invite me on <laughs> episode fifty. Episode fifty. Oh, there you go. Midnight Run is one of the greatest comedies I've ever. It's written. a good one. Uh, yes. Although I know you like don't have an explicit tag, and makes talking about that movie very difficult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just saying. Well, you got De Niro on it. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't like to fly. What the? What does that mean? <laughs> All right. What about? Uh, because we said earlier this is based off of a game. Some other games that I would love to see a movie made out of. Connect Four. <laughs> <laughs> Very sneaky, sis. <laughs> it, can't, it can't be any worse than Battleship. Oh, man. I Oh, man. Who, who thought that was a good... Based on a Parker Brothers game. <laughs> Oh. Comes a movie with Liam Neeson and aliens <laughs> and Rihanna. You think my battleship? <laughs> oh man! And I was oh, watching man. it. And I was going along. All of a sudden, I saw the bomb start dropping. I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> I, at the time, I had no idea it was based off the game. I just downloaded it and was watching it. And I was like, "Wait a minute! That looks just like one of those pegs off of." Oh no! This is battleship. <laughs> You guys got any other ideas as far as games that should maybe make movies? I don't know. I, I, I can see it right now, though, the, the Connect Four game. Be like, but how can we beat the aliens? We don't have four in a row anywhere. <laughs> Here, <laughs> diagonally. 
Uh, I would love to, I would love to see a, a movie based on Cards Against Humanity, but it'd be the most offensive, wow. sick movie yeah, ever made. Yeah, it would be pretty messed uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they need a lot of celebrities and stuff. Yeah, it'd be like that movie. Remember the Aristocrats, um, that, where they they tell that that one joke, and it's like oh, yeah, about forty, fifty different actors and comedians doing the same joke, but at a different punchline. They can just basically do it in that format. <laughs> I would I would pay to watch that. I would pay to watch that. Our good friend Mark I, Allison I always come, had an idea for Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's more of a horror movie, you know, but still. Well, the cannibal holocaust <laughs> <laughs> hungry hungry hippos I, I believe we may actually even get a commercial for that for this episode so we'll see but uh that's another one I, nice. that would be that would be fun and uh of course how about a uh, perfection the game where you have to put oh, all man. the shapes in the the thing yeah like it could be like a like a like a cell or like a saw thing where it's like you have to put all the shapes <laughs> into the right plot spots otherwise you die you will be having a perfect second that's my that, that's my finger across the lips voice modulator never would have thought that 30 seconds, 30 seconds to comply it's pretty good, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, what about Operation? <laughs> You're the doctor collecting all your pain. Yeah. I'm going to take Buckaroo. out his funny bone. <laughs> Buckaroo would be the worst movie ever. It would just be people piling things in the back of a poor helpless donkey before someone kicked in the face. Hard. <laughs> I don't know that game. <laughs> You don't know that game. And maybe, once again, it may be called something different in your country. Is it a buckaroo? Yeah, buckaroo. It's uh, it's like a, it's it's like a plastic donkey that you have to, well, you have to put a saddle on and then like a lasso and a hat and all the rest, and you pile it up with things in its back till eventually it bucks. Wow! It's like it, like pop up pirate. Do you have that? Well, that, that's a different uh, kind of game here, but <laughs> yeah. I, remember, rattle me bones. I remember when I was a kid, they, they would put out like a like a board game a week. They had like rattle me bones and shark attack and pizza party and Mister Mouth, Mouth Mousetrap. That'd be good. Oh, Mousetrap. I had, I had Mousetrap. A, a, a pop up pirate was um, there's a barrel with a small pirate in it, and you stick swords in the in the barrel and at one point when you stick a sword in it the pirate jumps out but you don't know when it is so you can play up to four players like so a lot a lot of a lot of the games in the UK apparently are based on the idea that you have you have to physically do things and it may result in a shock or a scare yeah pop up no, pirate that, that sounds good pop up pirate here has music that sounds like this <laughs> shark. shark yes shark <laughs> <laughs> Did, did anybody have a uh, starring a, Ron Jeremy? A, <laughs> did, did anybody have a Pac-Man board game? Like I had the Pac-Man board game. Like wow. you put marbles in little little holes on the thing, and then you had a little Pac-Man guy. It was terrible because it was not like playing Pac-Man at all. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Actually, I had a, say, it was kind of like playing. About, speaking about pirates, did you hear about the pirate movie that's coming out this year? No, I didn't. You didn't. It's rated R. Filming. That's a phrase of jokes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. All right. I guess. We'll, <laughs> I guess we'll move right along. Rating time, time. Time. All right. Rating time. Danny, what do you give this movie? Oh man. My rating for Clue is that when it comes to perfect movies, 
everybody done it. That's my rating. All right. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. Everybody done Choke it. Choke on it. <laughs> everybody done it. All right. Duncan. Well, you have to be quick at maths to work this one out. My one is one plus two plus two plus one. <laughs> one plus two plus one. You know, we didn't mention that at all. <laughs> there's too much there's too much stuff to put in this one man it's just too much oh so. absolutely and i give absolutely. it uh 743 episode too never never lose that sender keep that sender as a part of your show moving forward all right we'll do all right folks we'll be right back The following movie has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences. If you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. It was supposed to be a day in the park. A day to relax. A day to enjoy nature. Until they found something unnatural. Good God! What is that thing? They had four test subjects. They made them smarter, stronger, more resilient to injury. We made them hungrier. Yeah, hungrier. Four experimental creatures have escaped captivity and will destroy anything in their way. This summer, it's a race. If those beasts reach the camp, we're all dead. It's a chase. Run! Hurry up and feed their face. Who will win? No one knows. Feed the hungry. Hip hippos. You know where you are. You in the jungle, baby. You're gonna die. From the people who brought you Clue, 
and Clue comes Hungry Hungry Hippos Rated R Soundtrack available from Ralph Mouth Records Has this ever happened to you? It's a quiet night at home alone, and you're waiting for that special guest. Oh, hello, Carl. Yes, come right this way. Oh, now how am I going to clean up this mess? In the high-speed world of evidence disposal, there's one name you can trust. The Giallo Brothers. They are the one-stop shop for all things evidence disposal. Committed a crime? No problem. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear from the boys. Hey, I'm a Tony Giallo. And I'm Nunzio Giallo. We'll take all your murder evidence and get rid of it. Is that your fireplace? Good. Hey, good job, Nunzio. You got rid of it. Don't forget to ask for Black Glove Service. Jello Brothers LLC. We'll get your kill. To the nearest landfill. The Hailming Power Hour is pleased to bring you the never before seen fourth alternative ending to Clue. So it must have been Mr. Green who shot the singing telegram. I didn't do it. Well, there's nobody else left. But I didn't do it. The gun is missing. Whoever's got the gun shot the girl. I shot her. You're Mr. Body. No. 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 Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man. By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation. The Hell Ming Power Hour presents 
And now, did you know? This is Inspector Clouseau, and this is Did You Know? Did you know that the clue was the first movie based on a board game? Did you know that there were three endings shot, and a different one was shown at each theater? All three are included on DVD. Aside from all the three endings, the DVD also offers an option to play the movie with one randomly and selected ending. In some cities, the newspaper print would indicate which version, ending A, B, or C, etc., was being shown at each theater. Uh, did you know that Professor Plume indicates at dinner that he works for the World Health Organization, part of the United Nations Organization? This means that he works for you-know-who. Did you know, according to an interview with writer Jonathan Lynn, after a screening on the 25th anniversary of the film's release, Carrie Fisher was originally to have been cast as Miss Scarlet, until she ended up in rehab four days before filming had started. Leslie Ann Warren was a last-minute substitute. Did you know, after the production had concluded, the mansion set was bought and redecorated by the producers of the TV show Dynasty? who used it as the Carlton Hotel. Did you know that the singing telegram girl is played by Jane Whedlin, also known as the rhythm guitarist of the group The Go-Go's? You've been listening to Did You Know on the Hell Mean Power Hour. Did you know that I thought the butler had done it? Folks, that's going to do it for us. Once again, we want to thank our, our good buddy and, and great podcaster, Podcasting Machine is what we'd like to call him, The Machine. Mr. Duncan, <laughs> at least for hanging out with us, man. It's always a blast having you on the show, and we just thank you taking time out of your busy schedule and hanging out with us. It's always a pleasure. You know, and I've said it on many episodes, this is one, legitimately one of my favourite shows. I think you guys continually put out some of the the most fun, quirky, listenable content uh, in podcasts. Um, so any chance that I ever get to be invited back to do any shows and talk about some of my favourite movies ever uh, with you guys, is uh, uh, the pleasure is mine and the honour is mine as well. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> Cool. Hey, and take this time, because you'll do it better than I can, but go ahead and just rattle off the, the 15 shows you're on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the main show I do is the podcast Under the Stairs. You can uh, check out tputzcast.com um, on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, tons of other places that apparently pops up everywhere. We have a Facebook group page. It's amazing. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. That show comes out every single Monday. I do a show called Chronicle Podcast, which is coming back 
in the next two weeks. Um, it looks <laughs> small series, small episodes, looking exclusively at European horror cinema. Season three is going to be looking at Dolce, um exclusively for seven episodes. So check that one out. Uh, I have a show that's on a hiatus just now because my my colleague is moving house. Uh, it's called Opera Omnia, where we exclusively look at one director's body of work. So we're halfway through our look at Michael Mann's uh, filmography, but like I say, it's on hold. Both of those shows, Chronicle and Opera Omnia, can be listened to on legionpodcast.com uh, and uh, I also do Duncan and Bo come correct but at the moment it's Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks where we're looking at all the episodes of Twin Peaks that's also on Legion and the last show I'll talk about is one that is inconsistently coming back <laughs> at the moment so I can't put definitive time frames on it but we are we are committed to coming back it's the Midnight Horror Show it's a live radio show at the moment it looks like it's being shifted to Saturday nights so as and when they're out you'll be able to check them out Saturday night 7pm Eastern Standard Time in the States and uh, the best way to check out when those shows will be going live when they will drop is by visiting their Facebook group page for the Midnight Horror Show right And again, one of the main reasons that got me into podcasting was listening to you guys on on Midnight Horror Show, and uh, it's just such a fun show. Even even if there's no topic, the show is just awesome. So, uh, just a fun, fun show. And again, folks, podcast under the stairs, you got to check it out. And Bo, that he was talking about, Bo Ransdale is actually going to be on next week's episode with us. So we kind of doubled up on that. And uh, so, yeah, man, you got to check out Duncan's stuff, man. It's it's top quality great great stuff guy knows his stuff for sure so uh again just thank you for for hanging out with us no thank you guys seriously absolute blast loved it first of all thanks for coming on duncan i know we said it a hundred times i'll say a hundred more you're always a joy to have on the show secondly go watch clue 1985's clue i mean it's timeless it's not like a movie that's dated when you watch it, you're not going to say, oh, this looks old or all these jokes are old. It is made to be timeless and you are going to enjoy it from beginning to end. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or if you're 82. Watch Clue this week. Just just do yourself a favor because yep. it will be a favor. Yep, totally agree. All right, if there's nothing else, then we'll close out the show. I am Rick. And I'm Danny. And I'm Duncan. <laughs> see, <laughs> see you next time, folks. <laughs> Hello, everybody. When it's time to be decisive and solve the crime, try to keep calm. Panic solves nothing, and cool heads prevail. Even if your husband is a nuclear scientist or you work at the Pentagon, communism is just a red herring. Well, good night, and remember, actions speak louder than catchphrases. Members of the audience will receive the following Classic Curves by Biddos The Pants for Feel Good Company a gift certificate from Maruchan Ramen Noodles. Rice-a-roni. All guests receive a copy of the Helming Home Game. Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Mark Allison, Jeremy Finch, and Jacob Kennedy. Helming is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. 
Hail Me is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Legion Podcast. This is Dan Pardo saying good night. All right, if there's nothing else, then we'll close out the show. I am Rick. And I'm Danny. And we'll see you next time. Oh, go ahead, Duck, if you want to say something. I was about to say, I, I didn't know if you stopped there. For me to say something, sorry, you can go again. Sorry, just cut that out. Cut out. Uh, we'll do it again. me sound unprofessional. No. We'll do it live. Let's do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rick. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm Rick. And I'm Danny. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, Duncan, jump in there this time, okay? <laughs> okay. Duncan, you can jump in this time. Here we go. I'm Rick. I'm Rick. I'm Danny. <laughs> this, all up. this is amazing. Do it again. I'm Rick. And I'm Danny. And I'm Duncan. <laughs> see, you, see you next time, folks. <laughs> Oh, John.